I'm Zach Elliott. Welcome to Lab the Podcast. This is a place you'll find life and beauty in every season and in every story. The podcast features honest conversations about faith, hope, and love that will inspire, encourage, and maybe even challenge you to discover the unexpected life and beauty surrounding you right now. Hey, welcome to Lab, the podcast. We took a bit of a break leading into our Easter celebrations, and so it's wonderful to be back, and I'm so glad you're all back with us. Spring is officially here. We can feel a little bit of the lifting of some of the burden that we've been carrying for the last year as the weather changes and as the outlook for the pandemic changes, and we feel that. Uh, Spring brings a fresh invitation for life and beauty, and it feels particularly like that this year. And that's one of the things I love about the season, light breaking into the darkness, new possibilities emerging, and yet never perfectly. The weather always is on that kind of razor's edge where it falls back over if you're on the West Coast to the darkness and the clouds and the rain, or if you're out here in between humidity and the beautiful cool breeze in the morning that we're feeling in the last few days. But once those first few signs of spring arrive, hope is in the air, you can feel it. And I feel it today. Growing up out in Oregon, daffodils were some of the first signs of spring that we would see. In fact, my mom would send me, she still sends me pictures of the daffodils when they first start to appear. And we used to run through fields out there when we were growing up. We'd have all sorts of crazy adventures out in the fields and the woods, and we would pick these things and bring them back, and they would in, they inevitably find themselves in little vases and mason jars all over the house. And when I read Makato Fujimura's book, Culture Care, I was reminded of those daffodils and the power of that beautiful yellow color as he opens with a reminder that the investment we make when we bring fl- fresh flowers into our home is a good one, even with budgets that are stretched and practical needs and pressing things. There's something about bringing cut flowers, fresh flowers into the home that just transforms a space. And beauty and nature are good for the soul. They're like that whether we're inside or outside. They both have a power to shape us in really important and sometimes unexpected ways that sadly we're, we miss a little bit in the, in the press and in the rush of our day-to-day lives. And that's why over and over you'll hear me championing artists, the arts, beauty, and opportunities and experience to help us get outside and be reminded that we are creatures and that we have a creator, that we share relationship. And there's something very beautiful about that in-the-garden reality that's a part of who we are. And today we get to share some time with someone who knows that reality well and who is an artist who can carry us out into that garden space. She is, I would say, a master gardener, an accomplished gardener whose love for nature and creative gifts are sharing life and beauty with thousands of people, literally, and doing it on social media through TikTok. She has become a friend, and my next guest, Becky Sabitz, has cultivated gardens that have received acclaim and have been featured in magazines such as Southern Living. And whether she's enjoying time here in Florida or up tucked in the cool of the North Carolina mountains, she finds a way to invite other people to discover that she's the joy that she's finding close to the earth. And in addition to being something of a social media influencer and master gardener, Becky is a woman I admire and respect and somebody who embodies this curious balance 
of being hip and wise, something that many of you have heard me talk about for years. And she's not only learning and growing today, but she's giving away those things that she is learning and enjoying along the way and doing it with a little bit of style. So Becky, thank you for being who you are. Thanks for joining us and helping us to welcome ourselves into spring a little bit. I can't wait. Well, thank you, Zach. I am thrilled to be with you this afternoon. Yeah, well, we said opening up that if we could be sitting in your garden, I remember the first time I saw the the spread in Southern Living that just featured this beautiful kind of the different elevations and textures and colors. If we could be sitting right there, it would be even better, but I'll settle for this. This is pretty fantastic to get some time for you, and I know it's busy. This is like the I assume, anyway, one of the busiest times for gardening. Is this your favorite time of the year, or is that just something I make up in my own head? I love all the seasons in gardening. They all provide different wonderful things for me. So I do especially love spring, um, especially like the um, in the mountains when everything has been dormant and asleep, and then all the things that look dead come to life Mm. and the weather is cool and invigorating and, and it lures me outside for most of the day. Mm. Did you grow up in the mountains? Was that where you kind of came up in that environment or were, did you grow up closer down here in Florida? I grew up in Florida and I vacationed in North Carolina mountains, but no, I did not grow up there. But our vacationing gave me a love at a young age for the mountains. Yeah. Well, I couldn't wait, as I said, for this conversation. There's a million reasons why. But you and I share a love of nature. Uh, I think that childhood love of the mountains a little bit is something that we both have in common. And beauty uh, is something important to us, informed by our faith and our theological perspectives. But you also caught my intention with your engagement and use of TikTok to invite a new generation that finds ourselves and themselves, the youngest of our new generation, finding themselves inside more and more, especially over the last year, just having their experience of beauty and the outdoors mediated by screens. And you're inviting them outside in a particular way through that medium. And that's a unique gift. Sometimes we imagine gardening as this really romantic, but kind of isolated and solitary, quiet thing, which I'm sure it is. But you found a way to take that side of it and put it on TikTok and do that in a way that allows you to be a presence where you get to be right next door to all these things we see and kind of sometimes can't unsee when we are on TikTok, which I just love. So before we get into that side of the story, where did that love of gardening come? Take us back to the early days of your story and and kind of how did you fall in love with the garden? Well, I had the most wonderful grandmother, and I spent lots of time with her as a child, and she loved the Lord, and that love spilled over to everyone that she came in contact with, and I can remember going to church with her, and even today when I hear certain hymns, I I get tears in my eyes as they provoke memories of sitting next to her in church and hearing her voice, 
But one of her passions was a garden in her backyard. It was a little garden. It had a little tiny fence around it. And she loved to work in that garden. And I was often with her as she tended her flowers. And all those sights and smells and the touch sensations that come from being in a garden just sort of like entered into my soul. (laughs) And it lay dormant there for about 50 years. But today... Uh, she's there with me in my thoughts as I dip my fingers into the dirt and I water my plants. My hands look just like hers now. They're all wrinkled and ugly and gnarled with (laughs) dirty fingernails. And I look at my hands and I think of my grandmother. Yeah. Well, everybody who's listening, you know kind of the, the theme of our conversations. We're just looking all over the world for signs of life and beauty. Where is it? And when I met Becky, that, that thing that your grandmother kind of imparted, that part of her that is still with you, I recognized it in you immediately. And for everybody who's listening, part of the reason why I was so excited for this conversation is who Becky is, is vitally important in the world today. You heard me mention hip and wise, this ability to stand between two spaces and to not be afraid, not be fearful of one, and to not lose the deep and rich history of the other. And we'll get to that more throughout the conversation, but I just want to set up in advance. If you're listening, I have a hunch that some of you are these people. Or some of you in the next few years will find yourselves in these seasons. And there's something about Becky's grandmother that is still living today in and through her as she now is this person that was shaped by this powerful person, this powerful character in her story. Some of you are those people. And sometimes we don't always know it until somebody like Becky tells us the story and says, hey, because of my grandmother, I'm here now teaching people on this platform. So we'll get to that. Becky, you said that it laid dormant for a while, that this kind of thing that she had woven into your story was dormant for a little bit. And then partway through your journey, life changed a little bit. You faced some challenges that really thrust you into a space where you had to face some things. And that kind of led you into the garden. If you're willing, would you kind of take us into that part of the story? Sure. When I was about 50 years old, I became sick with Graves' disease, and it's an autoimmune disease involving a hyperactive thyroid, and it caused my heart to race at twice its normal speed. I was unable to sleep. I was jumping out of my skin, and one of the remedies for this disease was to drink radioactive iodine, Mm. which would kill the thyroid hormones that were out of control. So it took approximately a year for this disease to get under control. And and what happened was at the end of this was a new me because prior to Graves' disease, I was a very hyper type A, seriously driven woman. And I was known for getting things done. I was a math major and math teacher and I loved organizations and things like that. And while these these characteristics were favorable in some situations, they they had a negative side to them Hmm. because I was so controlling and so busy that I was missing out on this other world that was out there. I I was just not in it. And Graves' disease slowed me down and I began to smell the roses. And I consider it a giant gift from God 
because my left brain, which was that uh, mathematical brain, mm. died. And my right brain came to life. Mm. And I became interested in roses and gardening. And so um, that's really how all of this came about. It was a gift from God. He, he gave me Graves' disease. And I can't believe I'm saying this because at the time, I surely did not think it was a gift. Yeah. Well, it's amazing when you, just right before you said, I can't believe I'm saying this, I was thinking in my head, like, when it was happening, were you conscious of the fact that this may be a gift someday or in some way? Did you experience the disruption part as helpful? Or I'm imagining like that many of us who are listening were like, I wouldn't it would take me years to look in the rear view and see the benefit of that. Did that happen quickly for you or did it take some years before you kind of looked back and saw how that had shaped you? Well, I was, it was really just so surprising to me to see what it did to me. And um, at the time it was not something that I considered a gift. And I, and I questioned why in the world do I have this? Um, I was grateful that it was something that could be treated, but it was very miserable that whole year of dealing with it. But then it almost happened overnight Mm. because once that took effect, that radioactive iodine took effect, I was a different person. And I mean, I felt like my eyes had been opened and I walked outside and I could smell the roses and and I wanted to get in the garden, and I had this just hmm. giant desire to go outside. Hmm. For people who may be listening who are going, okay, you're describing the moment that I'm in right now, that, or I'm in that disruption, or maybe I just am facing that diagnosis where I've just been given some news that wasn't the news I was hoping for. Looking back... What advice would you give to somebody who's kind of in that first stage that you were in to help us kind of be open, I guess, or remain open to what God may have for us that we can't yet see? Do you have any just encouragement for that person? I think of this scripture at Psalms 143, I think it's 5, verse 5, and it says, I remember the days of old. I ponder on all that you have done for me and I, or I meditate on all that you have done for me and I ponder the work of your hands. And I would say to someone who was in the midst of something like I was in is to remember how God has been faithful through, he has never forsaken you and he never will forsake you. And maybe you are in a terrible spot, but he will bring you out of that and he will be with you as you are in it. Mm. So I think remembering back and then pondering on what he what he has done, what God has done. And then um, the the last part saying that um, I, I meditate on, on all that you have done. Oh, I, I just marvel at the work mm-hmm. of your hands. Just go outside and look what God has done. Just go out there and look. That's such a good invitation, I think, in times when we're facing things that are really overwhelming and to step outside and realize how big uh, the world is, how big God is, 
and that somehow he's got all of that being held together. And I think you're really, that, that the advice to remember is such good encouragement. I have a friend out in Oregon who stays pretty close to the dirt, and he says that one of the things he loves about the seasons is that they're a continual invitation to remembrance, that there will always be a winter, and yet that winter reminds us of winter's past and that there is a limit to them. And so I think that there is something about remembering God's faithfulness in the past. And it may be hard. I'm not making light of that for, for you who are listening, for that person that might hear this and you're going, now that's me right now and it's super hard. There is no making it easy. But I think that power of remembrance is a great invitation. You mentioned a couple times remembering roses. They featured pretty prominently in your experience and you fell in love with those uh, particular aspects of God's creation. What What is it about roses that was so important to you? Well, I say this in a sort of a joking manner, but it's true. They reminded me so much of my daughters who had gone off to college. They were out of the house. We were empty nesters. Um, and why? Because they were beautiful and sweet smelling, thorny and high maintenance. <laughs> but certainly worth the effort. Mm. So that was one reason I love roses. And one thing that I began to see was the creator in the rose, in the creation. Uh, Not just that beautiful creation, but to see the creator in it. There's so many lessons in a rose. You know, they have thorns, and that, that could symbolize my disease. But then at the very top of the rose stem is a bloom. And that bloom is just beautiful. And it and it reminds me of that um, wonderful scripture in Romans. It says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Hmm. So, I mean, there are just so many analogies in a rose to the way that God works. Hmm. When there's something about the... Like the smell, even as you describe a rose, I'm imagining times where I, you know, you kind of bury your nose right in the center of one. My grandfather, great grandfather, used to have these beautiful roses, and the petals would be cool, you like to the touch, yes. and the, and you could put your nose right up against it. And there's a sweetness. There's a particular thing about the smell of a rose that is just, it's gentle, but it's powerful. It really, it, it is. Maybe that's part of what makes them so magnificent. Well, there's one a scripture. This is my favorite scripture. Um, well, I have so many, but I would say this is my favorite one because it speaks to that. It says, Job 12, 7 through 10, it says, But ask the beast, and they will teach you. Mm. The birds of the air will tell you. Or the bushes, the roses, I, I put that in, the mm. roses of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Hmm. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. You can't look at a rose without seeing your Savior. I can't. Yeah. Well, and to be in that kind of experiential economy where you're knowing at a deep level, there's like a resonant level that creation speaks and, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. You're faced with it. It's in front of you. The grandeur, the beauty, the order, 
And whatever you believe, however you approach it, that it's speaking and it is testifying to something that, that it at least invites you to wrestle with who is this? What is this? And that, that I'm a part of it, that maybe God who made this is mindful of me. That's a, that's a beautiful and unique thing that being outside, I think, invites us into. And why I'm so glad we're going to get to TikTok here in a second. But again, why I think what you're doing is so powerful, because we're those lessons that you're describing, it takes time and proximity to the real things outside to experience them. And you just, yes. you can't experience those in abstraction. You almost have to enter that world in order for those lessons to be true. At least that's, uh, that's my experience anyway. And I'm always thanking God for those tangible things that he gives us because I'm the kind of person that really responds well to touching and seeing. And God gives us those things outside. We just have to go out there and touch them, put our hands in the dirt, smell those roses, feel them on our faces. And that's something that God, that's a gift that God has given us. Yeah. Well, you've built or or cultivated some incredible, I mean, as I said, you've received acclaim, your gardens have been featured in publications. And one of those is a space that you cultivated in North Carolina. And it's, it's a sanctuary. I mean, the pictures are absolutely gorgeous. And, and it's been life-giving for you, but you have also seen this place be life-giving to other people. And I remember you sharing a story about the power this place had uh, on a particular family who came up and they were really in a pretty difficult situation, but you opened your home to them and they got to experience your garden. I wondered if you could share that story um, before we kind of take a turn and talk a little bit about social media. Sure. You know, it all really kind of goes back to my grandmother because she was, she gave me this gift because my grandmother delighted in children especially her grandchildren, any child. And I can still remember the look on her face and her open arms when she would see me, even if it had only been a day since we'd been together. And I think I understand the delight she felt because I get that same feeling when I'm with my grandchildren and all children. And I love to listen to them. I love trying to see life through their eyes. And so a few years ago, a neighbor asked me if I had enough room in our house to host her sister-in-law and three little boys for a few days. This sister-in-law has spinal and brain cancer and was dying. And she wanted to make a trip from Indiana with her boys to make a memory for them. Well, this turned out to be the most wonderful three days ever. And I felt an immediate love for these three boys. I knew what they were going through and my heart was just aching for them. And I asked my electrician, who has two boys, because I'm not real familiar with boys. And I said, what do I do with these boys? And he says, (laughs) turn them loose outside. (laughs) And I went, oh, that's what I'll do. And that's what we did. We just turned them loose. And they explored and they discovered, they hiked, they played, they got dirty, they got wet in the stream, and they shot each other with rubber band guns. (laughs) And I just loved that. And I saw them thrive, and I felt like it was such a good place for them to be with their dying mother. And I hope and pray that as they age and look back on those days, that they remember a time of gladness and not sadness. And I think they will. Mm 
because that was just a wonderful weekend for them. And I see them. I continue to see them. In fact, one of those little boys is now a teenager, and he follows me on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, when I think about what goes into creating space, what was powerful, you know, there's so many layers of that story that I want to follow and and hear about, I'd love to hear the the perspective from those young guys that spent time running around there. And what a great, what a powerful gift that the mom gave to her kids to create yeah. time. But you had put a lot of work into creating that space and to opening up uh, something that could be shared. And I think that's something else that I've taken from your story when I look at those pictures is you you did that for you, for sure. You enjoy being in the garden. You enjoy cultivating these things. But there's this sense that you want to give it away. You want to share it. And you're doing that physically. You're welcoming people to, to enjoy it. You did for this family. But you're also doing that now through social media. And this is an interesting thing to me because there's so much debate about the, the, the platform itself. You know, is it healthy? Is it not healthy? Is it shaping us in unhealthy ways? Should we enter that space? Should we stay out of that space? And I love that you've kind of just leaned in. And so I want to ask you first, how did you find your way to TikTok in particular? Because I could see, you know, Facebook's a little bit of the slow, you know, the the slow lane um, now. And my kids make fun of me for having Facebook. It's like, dad, it's like having an eight track or, a, you know, a record. Yeah. And so TikTok is, you know, and I'm sure there's more iterations now, but what was it that drew you to TikTok? Why did you want to use that platform? Well, I decided that I wanted to share my gardening experiences on a social media platform. And so I was discussing it with my sisters and and she, her niece, her, her daughter and, their, and my nieces, they're in high school, were sitting on my porch in the mountains. And they said, you do not want to do Facebook. You do not want to do YouTube even. What you want to do is TikTok because you will um, have a much bigger audience. And I said, well, I had never heard of TikTok. And so I started looking at it. And I, <laughs> I, was, I was surprised at what, what I was seeing on TikTok. And, but anyway, I, I decided I was going to go with it. And I was so surprised to see how many followers I got. I got, I, I got the, I had this interest from kids, teenagers, even younger than teenagers were following me. And I kept getting comments about how soothing my voice was. And I've joked about this. No one ever in my family <laughs> is telling me that I have a soothing voice. They usually are telling me to, to, to quiet down a little bit. So I was getting these comments that your voice is so soothing. And I started thinking about these kids' kids' worlds. They're so loud. Almost every TikTok post has loud music, if you get on there. And most, some of them, people are screaming out obscenities. Mm. And some are ranting about something. And young girls are dancing in bikinis and um, that doesn't happen on my channel because I don't even <laughs> own a bathing suit. Um, but I try to show my followers how God can be found in the details. And my goal is to get them to experience God in nature and maybe to even get them engaged. Mm. 
and to recognize God's unique design for every living thing and the wonder and the endless variety of flowers and the bushes and the trees and the birds and the beasts. I mean, I, I just, I just exclaim this to these, to my followers. And I want these followers and listeners to see how God can teach them lessons. He has taught me. And I don't really do it in a preaching overt way. I do mention my faith periodically. Um, and in fact, but most of my posts don't mention my faith. I want my listeners to discover these truths on their own hmm. through the curiosity that I can provide. So that's how I got on there. And that's what's happened since then. And I've just been so surprised to see how many people actually follow me and how many young people follow me. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we're not talking 10 or 20 or 100 or 1,000. We're talking tens of thousands, 20,000 some people that are following you and participating. And this is this is where I want to pull on this thread a little bit because, again, there's debate. You know, I don't know if you heard this from anybody, but for sure, in my circles, people have, there's endless debate of, you know, do you, do you even engage with that platform? Do you not engage with that platform? You just chose to kind of dive in. What have you learned um, for the, maybe for somebody who is saying, man, I want to enter that space, but there's just so much um, stuff that I, I have to navigate. The learning curve is too high. Um, I'm going to get overwhelmed and swallowed up by negative content if I enter that space. How have you found your way to being able to kind of, when I hear you talk about it, there's just kind of this joy and open-handedness about it. It's not a thing for you. It's just a place you go to share your uh, the things that you love and that you want to share with other people. How have you been able to remain in that posture um, even as kind of the influence of the algorithm is is kind of looming in the background. Well, it's funny because my daughter and just said, "Oh my goodness, my mother is on <laughs> TikTok," and she was shocked that I would do that. And um, is and I've had many comments from people that are surprised that someone my age is, I'm, I'm not maybe necessarily the oldest person on there, but I'm one of the oldest <laughs> ones on there. And, um, but I just, I just decided once I started seeing the comments that I got, I knew that I was reaching people that um, with a calmer uh, message that they were receiving from other people on there. Mm. And I learned ways to teach my friends how to avoid how they could go on and not have to watch the objectionable TikTok videos. Um, and I, what I really suggest that someone do if they're interested is to find a teenager that can give you some lessons because that's what my nieces did. They showed me how to make a 60 second video um, it didn't take too much for me to learn that. And um, I, I have seen, I think what, what, the way I feel about it is that I'm an alternative to what's on there. Hmm. I'm an alternative to some of the awfulness that is on there. And so, and I, obviously people appreciate it because there are quite a few people who are following me. Hmm. It's 
I love who you are. I mean, this is why we're having this conversation, but I'm listening to you and I'm thinking the, the incline, kind of the inertia to just, you're in a space in life where you could go up to North Carolina and not talk to anybody and just enjoy your garden. And you are in a, in a position in life where you don't have to be thoughtful about what it is that a young person may need and not even know they need. And it, I mean, it's nothing short of remarkable to me that you care, A, B, that you are willing to kind of think about doing the work of being on this platform. And, you know, it's, it takes work to curate content like that. And then the third layer of that is that you had the humility to ask your granddaughters, hey, help me, like teach me. Is this just, how did you come to be? Is that nature, nurture, just the, the strangeness of God? How did you end up in a space where you're saying yes to this when it could be so easy for you to be grumpy and wagging your finger at the world and turning around and going into your garden and forgetting about all of us? Well, Zach, the garden is just a delight to me. And I want others to to experience it like I I do and I really think I probably got that from my grandmother because she loved to share what she was doing with me and she got just as much pleasure out of seeing me enjoy it as she got herself and I feel that way and I know I I have a heart for people who are struggling I don't know what gave me that heart but I have a heart even and my plants that I grow, when I see a, a weak little plant struggling, I work on it. It's just like Jesus did with the lost sheep. I don't want to lose that plant. And I feel that way. With I get comments from people on TikTok, and they tell me things that are going on in their lives, and it breaks my heart. And I always respond with compassion and almost like, I'm I'm like a lot of these people's grandmother. A lot of them say, can you please be my grandmother? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's what I I would love to maybe impart some Mm -hmm. of that to them. And if they don't have a grandmother that loves them, maybe they can feel the love my grandmother gave me through me. Mm. This is the thing. I mean, if you're seeing me, I'm I'm swinging for the fences and seeing just like a grand slam home run. This is the grandest sermon to preach. The fact that you are out there with that kind of compassion, thinking about the needs of hurting people, entering a space that many people in the religious community wouldn't go, doing it with a heart to not go whack people over the head with verses, but just incarnating this beautiful reality that there is a God who made a world that's beautiful and he allows us to participate in it. And the way that you are, your life is giving voice to that truth and that reality, this is, if you're listening this is what it looks like in a, we could go all the way down this road of a secular age, a post-Christian world, a, a new landscape culturally. But what Becky is doing is not criticizing culture. She's not critiquing it from the outside on the sidelines. She's entering it to create it and to enter it in a way that looks very much like Jesus. And 
I will tell you that that is the great need right now, is not for more content or information with words necessarily. It's to go in an incarnational way and enter these spaces. So thank you just for that. And for everybody who's listening, I don't know what your thing is. It may not be gardening, but it might be finance. It might be automotives. It might be fishing. It might, there's a million ways. And TikTok may not be the venue, but there is a world of people who are hungry and thirsty for a, a mom, a dad, a grandmother, somebody to be their friend. And those connections that we make open the door to us loving people in a way that they are desperate for. And so, Becky, thank you for being such a, a powerful example of that. It's just, it's a, a gift. Thank you, Zach. Yeah. I can I can cheerlead all day long for you, but I want to ask uh, just for people who are listening and they go, you know, you, my grandma or my grandfather or my mom or my dad had something in there, and I've I've wanted to create a space like that, but I'm more in the season of life pre Graves disease where I was I'm busy, I'm Type A personality, I'm focused, I've got a budget, I've got time restraints, and I just can't do it. And yet I hear what you're saying, and it's so beautiful. I want to take a step in that direction. What would you say to us who, you know, all of us who go, I hear you, but I'm pressed on all sides. How can we take a step towards having more access to roses or to beauty uh, or getting our hands in the dirt? Well, you know, Zach, one of the things that spring provides is the waking up and of, of so many things that have been asleep and dormant over the winter. And they've been, they've been uh, sleeping and their roots have been getting stronger and they're, so that they can burst forth and um, bloom and be gorgeous in the summer. And it, it reminds me of periods in life when we must stop and build up our reservoir so that we can bloom because mm-hmm. we can't always bloom. We need rest and reflection and time to pray. And that's what, what I call Sabbath. It's a, it's a period where we can stop what we are doing and listen to what God wants us to do. Mm. And so, so in my many years of my adult life, I spent ignoring this Sabbath because I was too busy with children and jobs. And, and, and the difference in my life now and then is dramatic. I experience now love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, those fruits of the spirit that that um, I just didn't have that. They just kind of I just passed those by because I was too busy. So it's worth it to fight to have this space. Yeah, I, I say I know you're busy, but fight for it because it will provide those wonderful fruits of the spirit that, that Jesus gives to us. And you can discover when you stop and you go outside or whatever it is you're talking about. I mean, it could be fishing, but it's when you stop and you listen to God. Hmm. When I want to get really practical on this because your idea of Sabbath or the idea of Sabbath um, I, I talk about we, we get these things, but we don't have these things a lot in the Christian community. And that's a religious word, Sabbath, you know, at rest. Okay, I get it at a head level. And yet, then I look at my calendar and I say to myself, next week, I'm going to create some space for this thing, Sabbath. 
help me out for, go back to your years as a younger mom when you are raising kids. And when you say fight for it, um, what, what might that look like? Give us a practical, just a couple examples of like um, creating that space where you can listen to God. I mean, if you were to, to pull a young mom aside today and say, hey, I know it doesn't seem like it, but here's what's important about Sabbath. Just create 10 minutes and be silent. What, what would you say to that person who's saying, I, Becky, I hear you, but I don't know what you mean. I don't know what to do. Okay, because I can understand that person because I was that person, and Mm. I did not know how to be silent Mm. and listen. I only knew how to move and and act, Mm. and so I can totally understand that question. But what I would say is if I could go back and redo, I would – first thing I would do is plant a little flower bed. It doesn't have to be big. It could be a pot. Mm. But I would plant something and then it would become something I would tend. You need to tend it Mm. and you need to uh, groom it. You need to fertilize it. You need to prune it. And as you do, Mm. think about God doing those things in your life. Mm. And and it's amazing how alive Christ becomes when you are doing those things. So just find something small. It doesn't have to be a five-acre garden that you have to spend 20 or three hours a day in to make it work. It could just be something that you pass by on your way to carpool. You're passing by that that flower, but oh, those flowers need deadheading. I need to deadhead them because if I do, I'm going to get lots more. Mm. And when I, when I cut those spent blooms off, I'm going to get twice as many. So that's that's what I would recommend is that Find a way to incorporate it into your life. Mm. It's not something you have to just say, okay, I'm going to put it on my calendar and set it aside. It's something that you walk by every day and you actually see it and you say, oh, I've got to stop because I want to tend this. Mm. This is remarkable. There's like fireworks in my brain going off. That is such a powerful invitation. And I just want to pin it for us that go do this. Becky just set us up. She teed us up to go out and find a small pot, a small little box. It doesn't have to be even like a planting box in your front yard. Something that invites you to enter that space. And it's not just at a head level. Because again, I think, Becky, what you're saying is so important. Oh yeah, Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. I'll squeeze that in. You know, our calendar even is mediated to us by a screen. And it tells us, oh, we have this space and we have that space. And those spaces just kind of are out there. But to actually physically walk to the other side of your house or to go to your back deck or to go to your little stoop, you know, at your apartment and and to sit there for a second and tend something that is silent. It's not talking back to you. It's inviting you to be quiet. We need We need that. And I think that's what when I think about your hands in the garden and in the dirt, there's something that we say it's only true if it's true. You're, you'll experience this at a body level and a soul level and a head level when all of the parts of your being kind of are not forced, but invited into that space. So go do it. Get a pot, get a flower, call it Becky's invitation and, and go do it. It's so important. Yes, do it. Does it, you know, we're talking about Sabbath and also creating these little things that invite us into that space 
does it ever become work for you? Or what do, what do you say to the person who echoes back and says like, oh, I hear you, but that's just another thing. I have kids, I have shopping, I have dance, I have work, I have meetings. I don't need a plant. I don't need something else to tend. How do you balance, you know, does it feel like work for you? And, and how do we balance that idea of, no, this, I, I can, I can kind of judo this into something that, yes, it's involving me tending it, but it's different than work. How do you thread that needle? Okay. Uh, first of all, it never feels like work to me. Mm. It is a gift. I want more time. I don't have enough time for it. Mm. I love it. I love to weed because when I'm pulling weeds, it's like getting rid. I don't need to go to a therapy session. I'm pulling out all the problems of my life mm. and I'm throwing them away. So I, you almost have to train yourself in that And I used to say, and I know a lot of people listening are going to (laughs) say, I don't have a green thumb. I kill everything that I get. Everything. And I did do that. (laughs) I killed everything. It's because I neglected it. Mm. If you tend this plant, if you make a commitment to tend it, it will thrive. If you will fertilize it, if you will if you will clip off the dead and you will look at it. And, and even I even talk to my little babies. I talk to them and tell them, come on, you're doing great. Mm. Um, and they never talk back. I mean, like you said, Zach, that's the best thing about a plant. <laughs> it doesn't talk back. <laughs> so it's, it's an awesome experience. So to, you need to erase that tape in your head that says, I don't have a green thumb. Because, yes, you do. You have one. If you will tend that plant. Yes, you will. Mm. Well, and to, again, the, the lessons you just said, to, to fertilize it, to prune off what's dead, to cut it back, these are the lessons that we need to, to, to hear and to live and to experience and a continual invitation to go back to that thing. I promise all of us, and I'm listening myself, that having a little corner of your front porch where there's that kind of space where you can learn and rest it may be the sweetest thing. And maybe that's why you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you've been nudged in this direction. Maybe you've been thinking about it. Maybe this is so foreign to you, but you've been praying for some way to just kind of see spring kind of come after a long COVID season. This may be the invitation and it may be as simple as that. Just a tiny little five inch pot that you go put on your front porch. I love it. Well, it's it's not just the the gardening, it's the people part of the story that was it, just so important to me when I when I was hearing your story and you've mentioned it a little bit about your grandmother and her influence in your life. You've mentioned that you hear from these young people that are just struggling and they need someone to be in their life. What would you say to the the person who is kind of at the seasonal life that I described, they could kick back and they could not engage. They don't have to put themselves back in a place where they, they're they in the presence of people who maybe, are, just to be really honest, are just annoyingly dumb, like I was when I was young. You know, we ask the dumbest questions, we're impatient, we're all the things that need mentoring, and it's exhausting. I was exhausting. I wore some people out. Why is it so important for us to have this intergenerational life. Why is that so important? And why has that become something important enough to you that you pay a price for it? Well, you know, when I became a grandmother, I found a place in my heart that I didn't even know I had. 
And um, I, everyone out there listening is not a grandmother necessarily, but it was there is this place in your heart that does care about what is happening to other people. And I, and I, my grandmother had that and I saw it and it came through into me and I want, I want to pass it on. Hmm. And I think we have a responsibility Hmm. um, to pass it on. I don't think we can kick back Hmm. and just uh, say I'm done. I Hmm. don't think we can do that. We, these people out there need us. I remember when I was in junior high school and there was all this cadmism. I know everybody can think back to that. <laughs> and I knew on Friday night I could go to my grandmother's and be loved. And I could have her French toast in the morning when we woke up. Mm. And then I could go back into the world until another Friday night. Mm. And, and if I can or you can, you who are listening, can transmit a fraction of the love that someone showed to you, to someone who is hurting or struggling, maybe that would spur them to seek the ultimate source of love, Mm. which is God. Mm. And every kid in the world needs to know that someone loves them and cares about them. And and, uh, TikTok is not a very, you don't, I don't really have deep, deep relationships with these people, but I do give them feedback. I'm always answer their questions. And I, try to show compassion even in the ways that I'm talking about my my topic. <laughs> so I um, mean I love those I love every single follower I have. I love them. <laughs> um and I have a heart for people who struggle. Um when you have twenty thousand people and many of those call you grandma, grandmother. Um, I mean that yeah. That mm-hmm. is the relationship that they're, and even if, again, we say, well, yeah, but I'm not having French toast, or yeah, but I can't come spend the weekend. No, uh-huh. but it's a step in the right direction. And for that kid who may be in, you know, in the middle of Wisconsin, and they have nothing but their phone, and we can we can lament that, we can say all we want and culturally critique that, but, and there's an opportunity to meet them right where they're at and you're doing it. It's beautiful. How have you had to stretch or, you know, to be able to occupy that space as that person's grandmother? I imagine there's so many different things that would be different from your faith perspective, political views, cultural understandings, all of those things could be different. How have you found your, you know, what's had to change or what, how have you had to grow in order to find common ground with people from all sorts of different backgrounds? Well, I'll tell you, it's so funny because a lot of these followers, every once in a while, I'll go and look at what they're posting. (laughs) And it is surprising to me because it's, oh, it is not me. It is, they do not (laughs) think like I think. I'm sure politically we're different at odds and and socially and but i still love them i love they they need to be loved it's like when god waters my garden in the mountains when the rains come mm. he doesn't pick which plant he's going to put water on mm. he waters every single one of them he waters the weeds mm. and i and he when it's over he's given every single thing a drink of water and that's what my goal is, is that whether these people are uh, my type of person or not, they deserve love. Mm. And I will give it. I want to give it. 
Mm. What an incredible gift that was. The picture of God watering everything uh, at the base of the mountains up there in your garden. And he doesn't choose. It, it's yeah. it's for all of us and for for me, for you. And to be the person who desperately needs water and to have a provision of water without question, without judgment, it just arrives uh, when I need a drink. That's a pretty, pretty sweet thing. Becky, I could take up all of your time and <laughs> we could we could go for hours and hours and hours. And again, I think the thing that I want to do the most is just celebrate who you are and the work you're doing and uh, the gift that you are to so many people, to these thousands of people, but also just for all of us who listened today. I just wrote down three different things from our conversation that just as a dad, you know, with a 14-year-old at the oldest and my youngest is six and I am very much, Cammie and I are very much in that space where life is pressed on all these different sides. And yet I heard a couple invitations today that, that I'm going to lean into. I, I just want to ask, as we close, we've all been through kind of just a tough year. It's been hard and now we're starting to open up. We're starting to kind of experiment with getting back out and getting our legs under us again. As we enter the the next chapter, this next season, this spring, is there a a scripture, a thought, a poem, a song, just anything. I want to give you the last word and just give us some encouragement for everybody who is listening to this on a drive home or they took it out on a run with them. And we're like, okay, yes, I want to lean in, but there's that little bit of weariness, that little bit of fear. I'm, I'm not quite ready. You've already been up and back to North Carolina, you're waking up a garden. You're you're inspiring me at so many levels. So I'm going to give you the last word to encourage us to just take a step in this direction. Okay. Well, I already gave you my favorite scripture, which was the Job that shows how God's hand hmm. is is responsible for all of this. Hmm. But there's another scripture I love. It's, I think it's 1 Thessalonians 4, 11, and 12, and it says to aspire to live quietly, to, mm. let me think, what else does it say? To mind your own affairs mm. uh, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. This is was being told to the Thessalonians that they needed to get out and work um, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. And when it says that be dependent on no one, I think it means not don't be dependent on anyone, but Christ for your happiness, for Mm. your joy. That's the way I take it. And that scripture was written for me because it tells me to get up and get to work with my hands. I can't lay back even though I am retired but I'm to mind my own affairs. That's why I don't go into the other people's TikToks and, and say, mm. this is wrong. I mm. don't, I just don't do that. Mm. 
I love it. That's such a beautiful last word. And I'm just grateful. I'm going to make sure we're going to follow up. And at some point, we're going to end up in, in a garden somewhere, whether it's here in Florida or up there, because I have to share these pictures and let people see some of the context of what we've been talking about. But if they want to follow you, if they want to join and kind of stay in the conversation, you are on Instagram you are on TikTok. How can people go find you in these two platforms? Okay. For Instagram, it is, my name is the, T-H-E, you have to put the in it. Okay. Peking, P-I-Q-U-I-N-G, Gardener. Okay. Peking, like peak your interest. Yep. The Peking Gardener. And then my TikTok name, I should have had them both be the same, but my TikTok name is Baba's Garden, B-A-B-A-S, Garden, and Baba is um, a Russian grandmother name, and that's what my grandchildren call me. They call me Baba, so mm. it's Baba's Garden. Baba's Garden. Well, if you are on TikTok, Baba's Garden, go jump on there and just join the the community that's already there. If you're on Instagram, uh, you you can find it. We'll put these links in when we send the episode out. But I would just encourage you. Go follow, go follow along. There's little bits of life and beauty that appear and it'll appear in your feeds and it's just good, but there may be something else there that's an invitation down the road. So Becky, thank you so much for who you are. Keep leaning in, don't grow weary, and just know that your your life and your work have inspired all of us. And I was so grateful for the opportunity to know you and the minute I met you, I was like, nah, there's, there's a story there. And it's been so fun to get to get a little glimpse of it. So thank you for sharing the time with us. We're grateful. And thank you for this wonderful podcast. Uh, well, it's a joy to get to do it. And so here's to more conversations down the road and, okay. and one in your garden one day. You've been listening to Lab the Podcast. I'm Zach Elliott. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Zach J. Elliott. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. Join me next time for our next episode. Thank you for listening.